Welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. I'm so happy that I get to speak with Nicole Vanderwedge today, who will share a bit about her personal experience with behavioral health in an intensive outpatient program for treatment. We'll also speak about her friend who died by suicide and the impact that had on her. Nicole currently works as a sales associate at an arts and crafts store and thoroughly enjoys arts and crafts herself, as well as hiking, swimming, yoga, and vegan food. So welcome to the podcast, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, Before we jump into getting to know you a little bit, I like to ask every guest, to be honest, how are you doing today? To be honest, um, I'm a little nervous and I'm happy to be here. Yeah, totally understandable. I I think I tell every guest this, but I still get nervous too, (laughs) like talking to you all. Um, Even though I don't say very much, like I'm just here to kind of like guide your story. So um, you're in good company because I feel like hopefully we'll like calm each other down a little bit. (laughs) Um, I'm glad that you're excited to be here too. And yeah, I'm excited to share your story. So if you don't mind us starting with a bit about like your childhood, um, you've shared with me that your parents uh, separated when you were six and you started to experience anxiety and depression shortly after that. So do you mind sharing a bit more about that time in your life in general and kind of what you remember, like what's going through your head and your thoughts and feelings around that? was pretty sad when my parents separated. Um, um, I moved out of state away from my dad. I moved with my mom. And I just remember feeling like my dad didn't love me anymore. And like as a kid, I didn't realize there was a lot of other factors at play. Yeah, when I moved from my home, like where I was born and raised and where I grew up, uh, that's where all my childhood memories were made. So when I moved here to the Bay Area, I kind of felt like I didn't really have a home anymore. And that was pretty hard. Yeah, definitely. I can imagine at that age too, when you're you're so young and you're like still trying, I feel like at that age, you're either what, in kindergarten or first grade or so. So you're like still trying to figure out, like trying to make friends and then having to kind of uproot things. Um, and it sounds like kind of start over. It sounds pretty difficult. And then kind of fast forward to 18 years old when your symptoms became a bit more unmanageable. Do you mind talking about like what kind of triggered the increase in severity of your symptoms? It's a pretty heavy topic, but um, when my great-grandmother passed away, um, it was very challenging. And just, I was in a really dark place. And that's kind of when I noticed the depression was really intense. Like I struggled with depression and anxiety for a good chunk of my life before 18. But then when that event happened, I was not really prepared for that. Yeah, definitely. What was your relationship with your great grandma like? It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that like my great grandmother taught me about pure selfless love and completely changed my life and who I am as a person. And I'm very, very thankful for that, even though it was excruciatingly challenging. We would share stories with each other. We'd go through photo albums together. She'd tell me all about like her high school years and I would be able to cook her meals and paint her nails. And it was just a very caring companionship. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I love, I feel like a lot of times when we're young, we like want to separate ourselves from our elders, but I love that you took the time to like get to know her and understand her and that she taught you so much. That's such a, a beautiful story. Um, I know that you were, it sounds like you're kind of her caretaker. What was it like being a caretaker 
at your at a young age of like 18. That's that's very young. And even before that. Yeah, I have to say at 17, it was very challenging. And, you know, when I first started, I was very resentful because all of my friends were going out and having fun and I was taking care of someone every day. And over time, I learned to really appreciate and love that time that I got to spend with her. But it was definitely uh, very hard watching the process of someone you love die knowing you can't do anything about it. And it definitely really affected me as a person. But again, I'm so thankful. What was, I I hate going into like the sad parts of things. But I'm just curious, what were, um, how did you grieve her loss? Like, what was that experience like for you? Anyone that has ever gone through, you know, the grieving process, everyone knows how challenging it is. At first I was in denial. I kind of just kept moving on with my life and didn't really face it. And then it kind of caught up with me. And that's when a lot of my uh, mental health symptoms showed up, the depression, anxiety. Really, it was just kind of taking it one day at a time during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine losing someone who is that, like such a big piece of your life is incredibly hard. So I just commend you for getting through that process. I, I can't imagine how hard that was. And at a certain point, you did seek professional help. Would you mind sharing a bit about like the details of what made you decide to seek professional help and especially uh, within an intensive outpatient program? I couldn't really get out of bed for three days and that never happened to me before. I was always a very goal-oriented person, very happy to be alive. And so to not be able to get out of bed and to like have no interest to talk to anyone was very scary. I felt very alone and hopeless. And it just felt like nothing mattered in my life anymore. And that's kind of when I decided that I really needed to get help. And I reached out to my mom and I also reached out to an intensive outpatient program to get some support. It's it's great that you were able to turn to your mom in that difficult moment. I'm sure it was really hard to even approach her about that topic. Um, do you mind sharing a bit about the difference between like what and an outpatient program looks like versus an intensive outpatient program looks like? Um, so I'm not 100% sure on the differences. Um, I'm guessing they're very similar. So for me, with my intensive outpatient program, it was Monday through Friday, and I would spend around six hours a day there going through like CBT skills and DBT skills. Yeah, I'm guessing they're pretty similar. It could be just different um, intensities. Outpatient might just be like twice a week versus five days a week for six hours a day. Yeah. What made you decide to go with the intensive versus outpatient? My life was really unmanageable. I was not able to take care of myself. So I really needed the intensity of that program. And honestly, that program saved my life. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Would you mind sharing um, some of the like tools that you learned while you're in the intensive outpatient program and the like big takeaways from being in that program? So I would say the mindfulness meditation and I would say habit forming and then learning new coping skills was what really helped me change my life. So just, you know, practicing guided meditations when you can and training yourself healthier options so you can take care of yourself was really important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that you've been doing mindful meditation. I feel like that'd be so useful for really anyone's daily life just to kind of be like grounded and centered 
um, when things get stressful. So um, just out of curiosity, do you have any like go-to resources that you use for meditation or anything like that? I do, yes. So I listen to this track. It's called Letting Go Alpha Meditation. I believe her name is Joanne. But if, if you have Spotify and you type in Letting Go Alpha Meditation, there'll be a female on the cover. It's like the first one that pops up. I think that one's super helpful. And also Jason, I think it's Stevenson on YouTube. That one's awesome too. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We can definitely link to those in like the episode show notes. Uh, so people can just like click on the link if they want to listen to them. So thank you for sharing that. That's really great. And then if someone is interested in seeking intensive outpatient treatment or going through a program like you did, what or how could they do that? Like what steps did you take to get to the point where you could be admitted to a program? Well, the first step I would say would be to reach out and call them. And I actually wrote down the number of the one I went to. If anyone is interested, El Camino Dual Diagnosis in Mountain View. And I really recommend that program. The number for that is 650-988-8468. And if you just call them and tell them you're struggling and you need help, they will reach out to you and guide you every step of the way. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm so glad you shared that program. Um, I feel like I've heard a lot of good things about El Camino, but to hear like someone who's gone through the program is really like comforting to know that they are super helpful. So we'll definitely um, put that in the show notes as well. So thank you. And you've shared with me that you have had experience with binging and restricting, um, as well as drug use um, as coping tools. So I was just wondering if you could tell us a bit about uh, your first experience with binging and restricting. And then also, like, at what point did you realize that it was kind of a, a problem? It started when I was in high school, and it was more so restricting and then purging. And then when my great-grandmother passed away, I relied on binging as a coping skill. And I felt really out of control. And that's yep. when I knew, I knew I had to do like get help. It's good that you had like the self-awareness to recognize that because I feel like a lot of people struggle for a really long time with that kind of thing. So I give you a lot of credit for, yeah, it seems like you have a lot of self-awareness and you know yourself so well that you can like call out the unhealthy behaviors and you work right away to fix them. So um, I appreciate that. Thank you for for sharing. And so was the intensive outpatient treatment was, did that include um, treatment for your eating disorder, or was that a separate uh, treatment that you went through? That was a separate treatment, but the CBT and the DBT skills that I learned can also be applied with an eating disorder. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so you can kind of use some of the things you already learned moving forward. And I know that you also have experience with drug use, um, which we haven't really talked a lot about on the podcast. So I was hoping you could share a bit about your experience with drug use. If you're not comfortable going into like full detail, I completely understand, but just kind of curious, like when that started and then eventually like what was the recovery process for that? Like I started smoking in high school, just smoking marijuana and also drinking alcohol. My life was still manageable at that point. Truthfully, when my great-grandmother passed away, that's when I really started using drugs to cope. And it got out of hand. My only purpose in life was to get high. And I was, it was, that's all I did was just use. And I mean, there was a time where 
I stayed in bed for three days straight. I did not get out of bed at all. The only thing I did was just smoke and drink. And I just, it was really scary. And for the recovery process, I'm still in recovery. And the way I deal with it is just taking it day by day. And also having supportive people who care about you is really important too. I know this is really heavy stuff. So thank you for giving me a platform to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to share. I think it's pretty incredible that you are so open about it. I do want to touch on your support network because it seems like that's a huge part of your recovery. And I know you mentioned your mom, but are there other people in your support network who have helped you to get to where you are today? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I would say one of my best friends, Gabby, she is the light in my darkness. She's always there for me. And she never asks too much or anything from me. She just is there to support me and love me. And I would say if you're having a hard time finding a healthy support group, I would say try finding um, a group in your area with something that you like to do. Like, you know, like a paint night, or if you like running, find a free running club and you can find some people there, you know, make some new friends. Yeah, I love that advice. How did you and Gabby meet? Um, So we actually met in seventh grade. So we've been best friends for over like, I think it's 10 years now. I love the way you like light up when you talk about her. So (laughs) that's, that's so, so beautiful. I love hearing about people's friendships. So thank you for sharing about yours and how special it is to you. I do want to talk about another friend of yours who you mentioned to me passed, I'm not sure how recently, but passed due to suicide. So yeah, would you mind sharing a bit about your friends? Um, like, How did you meet? What they were like? Yeah, I'd love to hear about them. So it's actually a really cute story. I just went to a new high school and I was diagnosed with selective mutism. So I wasn't speaking to anyone and I had no friends. And she was one of the first... <laughs> She instantly saw me and reached out to me and tried speaking to me, and I would not speak to her. So what she did is she started passing me notes, and she made sure that I had a friend. She was very caring and kind and compassionate and just always had your back. That's so amazing that she she was so persistent. Like She knew that she wanted to be your friend. She really was. At first, I was a little irritated, like, come on, I just want to be alone. Did you, I'm assuming you eventually talked to her um, once you felt comfortable. I did. She's the one who brought me out of my shell. It's it's so nice when, yeah, I, not that this is the same, but I'm a quiet person. And so like when I feel like I am attracted to friends that are louder, just because they do help bring me out of my shell too. So I totally understand that. Like you just need someone who's going to be like there no matter what, even if you're talking, even if you're not (laughs) to just be there for you. So I'm curious, like what was the grieving process like for you and like being so close to her and yeah, just like losing a loved one, um, a friend at that at that age? It was honestly very traumatic. I had a lot of guilt. Before she passed away, we got into a fight and I said some really mean things and I never got the chance to apologize or repair that with her. So I felt very, very bad. And the grieving process for me took a very long time to go through with this one and I still go through it. Yeah, I just had to to really learn how to forgive myself and how to accept the things that I can't control. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's that has to be so hard. Yeah. I can't imagine grieving and also trying to kind of grapple with guilt. Um, so I, yeah, I can't even imagine going through that. So thank you for sharing. I'm just curious if there's anything else like you want people to know about your friends or if there's anything you'd like want to tell your friend if they were, if they were here today. I guess if she was here, I, I would just want to tell her that she's needed and tell her that I'm sorry. And also that I forgive her, you know, it's okay. And I would just honestly want to give her a hug. Well, thank you so much for sharing about her. I hope Others who are listening, yeah, check in on their friends. I think that's like the only thing you can do really is just check in on them because you don't, you never know really who is like struggling behind closed doors. So uh, it's, it's hard to know sometimes if someone is suicidal or yeah, it could be someone who has a smile on their face every day. So I want to um, kind of move our conversation to a more like lighter side of things. So I do want to talk about your passion for arts and crafts, especially you mentioned to me, watercolors, making cards and stickers. So I'm just curious, like, how did you, how did you first know that you had like a knack for art and specifically like creating these stickers and cards for people? From a young age, I've always been very creative. Like I I would just like come up with little poems and share them with my family. From a very young age, I would say from like six, I started doing that. And, And then in middle school, I, I wanted to write cards to kids um, in hospitals who were struggling just to make someone feel better and from there I went into watercolors and I've been doing it ever since that's awesome I love that I love that it started with like a good purpose (laughs) not that it has to but I just love that that your story started with a good purpose and turned into a hobby and like a passion something you love what do you love most about the creative process I would say honestly it's just so much fun it's just being able to just get lost in art where nothing else matters and there's just so much freedom I love that it's also a healthy outlet for me with my emotions I feel like I get to know myself better too with it and I get to share myself with other people I mean all around I think it's just a beautiful thing yeah yeah absolutely yeah and do you get most of your inspiration from like things happening in your life or thoughts and feelings, or do you get inspiration from other other sources? I would say most of my inspiration comes from how I'm feeling. I mean, that's one of the reasons like we our program has an art contest is just to, for people to express themselves and give them an outlet. And because sometimes when you paint something, it comes out better than like how you could say it with words. So I just love that about art is that it has meaning to you and it could mean something completely separate to someone else who looks at it, but your feelings and your thoughts and your emotions are like on a piece of paper, which is very like, it feels like you're exposed, but yeah, no one else really actually knows maybe like how you're actually feeling through that piece of art, which is kind of cool. I like your perspective on that. Yeah. yeah, That's just my opinion. I don't know how you feel, but (laughs) very similar, very similar. And then you also make the homemade cards and stickers uh, for people in your life. And I think, you, do you still make them for the ho- the people at the hospital too? Or is that um, has that changed over time? It has changed over time. Now I mainly do it for my family and my friends. Oh, nice. I bet they love getting those. I would love a homemade card. <laughs> yeah. When did you first start making um, like the stickers? And like, how do you even create them? Do you use... Um, like an, a platform or an application of some sort for that? Um, so I don't have a lot of experience with stickers. I just recently started doing the stickers. 
but if you go online, they have a sticker making machine and it's really simple. You just plug it in and send paper through it and it turns anything into a sticker. That's really cool. <laughs> I, yeah, oh my gosh, I get into like a, a mood sometimes where I'm like, I got to try this new craft. And then I have like all these different, like I start them and then I like forget about them after a while. So I, I'd probably be the person who like buys the machine and then like uses it like 10 times and then forgets about it. <laughs> but yeah, maybe someone out there listening could put it to good use. <laughs> and then how do the cards and stickers bring you joy? I have so much fun making it. And when I was in a low place, I remember when I got a card from someone that was really pretty. And it really just brought light to my life. So now I want to give back and send out cards to anyone, everyone. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, if you eventually sell your cards, I'm sure people listening or stickers, I'm sure people would love to to buy them. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast, sharing your experience. Um, I know we touched on a lot of like deeper subjects. So I just appreciate how open and honest you are and have been today. So thank you so much. If people want to learn more about you or if you have any additional resources from the ones that you shared earlier, um, where can people go to find out more about you or the things that you've mentioned today? So I do have an art Instagram account. You're interested. It's it's called at perspective on reality. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely share that and link that in the episode notes too. So I'm excited. I'm gonna go probably Instagram stalk you after this. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think your story will resonate with a lot of people. And I think it'll open up conversations for a lot of people too. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I hope we can maybe reconnect in the future. And you can share like a little update for me at some point. Thank you so much for giving people this space. It's much needed. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So all right. Thank you so much, Nicole. Talk to you later. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the To Be Honest podcast. We are incredibly grateful for your support over the last four seasons and look forward to sharing even more personal mental health journeys and stories in the future to help normalize the conversation around this topic. To Be Honest is a program of Momentum for Health that encourages youth and young adults ages 14 to 25 to express themselves through creative media and seek help in times of need. If you or a loved one is looking for behavioral health services, please call 988 to locate options available in your area. Season four of the podcast is hosted and edited by me, Avery Cruz. We'll also be incorporating a few special episodes into the season created and recorded by a handful of our youth advisory board members who will be introduced in future episodes. The podcast theme music was created by Julia Steele. To learn more about the To Be Honest program, please visit www.tobehonest.today and follow us on Instagram for the latest news at tobehonest.today. Bye!